All right, hello everybody. Welcome to episode one of New World Order. I'm recording this at 5.09 a.m. So good morning, good night, good evening. I'm recording this while the government pigeons are, are charging right now. So at least I have some company. All right, so I want to talk about today the desensitization of life through social media. Right. So we often hear on social media nothing but toxicity, right? You know, it's all bad, it's this, it's that, we it's it's often villainized. And but the smaller majority, right, they're a very small majority who talk of the ability, you know, to connect with friends or to be engaged with other people. And that's really what brought social media and Facebook and all these different all these different platforms to to prominence. You know, without these without these claims of YouTube you know, being able to learn everything or being able to learn a skill remotely or without a teacher or with Instagram saying and Facebook saying how you can connect with everybody without actually being there. You can join a community. It's all these, it's all these amazing uh, sort of um, godlike glorified ideal claims that these make, that these, that these companies make and, you know, blatantly ignoring the, the negative effects of of their programs. So I want to actually go over how is it dangerous, right? So to, to so almost, almost arm you with real legitimate actual reasons why social media is actually harmful. How is it harmful? How is it dangerous? So we're going to list out a few reasons. So number one is called the standard of captivation. So I've, I've thought about a few ways to, to articulate this, but let's give it a go. So we're all born with things that excite us. Naturally, it's it's actually a mystery that I you know I, I'm still trying to understand. How is it possible that you, that out of out of no out of with no previous context, a child is mesmerized or a child becomes interested? It's really bizarre. Like if you really think about it, your context, uh, your context programs you to understand the relative the relativity of your situation. You know, so showing a, a star, a, a starving poor kid in Africa, a basket of food will not yield the same reaction as if you're showing uh, an average American, right? They're just, just you know, be, but that's because of the context they grew up in. Children are interesting, right? Because they have, there is, seems to be this natural, already created, inherent, intrinsic standard of captivation. So essentially, we're all born with things that excite us. Right, there are things that make us happy, and then there are things that make us shrug. Things that are things that make us sad. Right, a party excites us, but let's say sleeping doesn't. We we all have different measures of what of what adjusts our our standard of captivation. So the emotional importance of these activities are also are always ranked by our standard of captivation. Are oftentimes right. So if you just think about it, the standard of captivation is the standard or the bar of what makes us react or respond to, to the magnitude of a situation, right? So a party, the magnitude of a party versus the magnitude of sleeping, obviously different. They'll react, dif they'll, they, you'll react differently. You have a different, it doesn't, one meets the standard of captivation, one doesn't. So it's really a standard or a bar for what captivates us. Moving on, life is abundant with happy and sad moments. It is. They're, they're, but they're notice that they're rationed out without social. Of course, you know there are horrifying tragedies and, and amazing, amazing inconsistencies. But at a, at a normal rate, at a normal balance, life is abundant with happy and sad moments. They're rationed out. 
right? Life has a way about it where it understands exactly how many good moments to give us. Enough to make us smile, but not enough to spoil us and with, with an overly captivating reality, right? That's what's really, that's, that's what's really cool. It's just, it's, 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 my, it might be tough to, to understand, but the, but the amount that our, body, our, the, our bodies are able to walk uh, versus the way our senses are and, and just our ability to perceive is constricted and is like limited. Like we can't fly 3,000 miles to go tour the entire world. And see all the most amazing mountains and rivers of, of different parts of the earth. Rather, we're only able to travel a certain amount. Right? We're, we're built small. We are, we're built relatively small compared to our surroundings. Perhaps for the sole purpose of being able to constantly be amazed and, and interested whenever we go about into the world. Right. So you look at forgetting forgetting our... Environment, our modern environment now, where you can travel however much we'd like. In earlier times, if travelers and explorers, right, they 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 would be constantly amazed or constantly interested or constantly on the lookout for a new surrounding, and it's constantly new, right? We don't have that newness. We have social media and other constantly entertaining agents to 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 um, to help or, or scratch that itch. But notice how the our bodies are small and that actually benefits us because if we were massive dinosaurs and we and you know we could we could just roam around in you know an entire state just by walking you know in in, in a relatively short amount of time like I'm just a massive creature we wouldn't be able to we wouldn't we wouldn't be as surprised right there's not as much to see whereas when we're smaller creatures we are able to to walk and we're and are just we're small enough to be able to go around and experience things um to to a great degree right it might be a little bit might be a little bit out there but it's it's definitely there so in life gives us enough events for us to smile but not spoil us with an overly captivating reality right so again, that, that's also something we're going to talk about in a coming episode. Social media is the greatest destroyer of life's real and authentic captivating moments, right? By nature, social media gathers life's most richest, happy, fulfilling, emotion-filled entertainment and moments and concentrates them into one place and even on that one place. Right, you go through the search bar on Instagram. Even in that one place, you're still selectively uh, clicking things that have like that the heightened that just that extra level of entertainment. You know, you'll choose one over the other. Right. So, social media. Right. With overuse of social media, the standard of captivation, the standard for what shocks, the standard for what amazes, what interests in real life. Right, is raised so high. Very few things in daily life, let alone even a vacation, captivate us, right? The social media wins the attention war in it, between social media and real life in every case. In every single case. You see, because the contrast is that real life is simply not exciting. It's actually not. I mean, it has exciting moments, and but the, 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 the natural boringness or the natural ordinary quality of life is what makes 
these entertainment moments real. You know what I mean? It's 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 a real it's it's it works, right? It's not ideal, but it works. And clearly when we try to solve that, you know, through through human technology and through through our our machines that that we make, it it doesn't work. Real life is not exciting, right? It's just not. But real life is still worth engaging in. You'll really find it. Even in even in its boringness, it's still worth engaging in. It's more personal than social media. And it's it's it it is. It's more personal than social media. You don't it's this is really interesting because it's really a psychological miracle that social media has given us that we a lot of people want throughout you know all the a lot of, all of humanity. It works in theory. Social media works in theory, and I'll explain why. So people are able to be intrigued and stimulated and entertained and captivated without partaking in their own life storyline. Right? You can be captivated and laugh at something without having a personal experience with it. That is not something that has ever been done in the entire history of humanity. You can go to you know a show or a, a circus or parade, but that's still a memory that you make. It's still a part of your timeline. It's still being made in your history. You're still using both time and space and your perception to create an activity, right? That works with family, that works with friends, with events, anything, right? And those events that you engage in with family and friends or in any environment, that actually creates memories which are part of your storyline. But those moments yield reactions, right? So... But people, you see, a lot of the reason people engage with other people is not just for the connection, but it's also, you know, to laugh, to be engaged, right? What does it mean to be around people? You laugh. Notice when you go to Disneyland by yourself versus when you go with people. It's boring. It's dumb. It's 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 meaningless, right? You go there, it's not just for the connection, but you go to laugh, to be intrigued, to make memories, and those interactions yield reactions, yield real personal, individualized, unique reactions. Where were you occupied at 4 p.m.? With you, you were occupied. Where were you at 4 p.m. on this day? I was occupied with this person laughing. That moment is locked inside your, is locked in humanity, locked in, even if you're going to be forgotten 500 years, that is still real. It is still locked in human. It's still locked in your own storyline. And the value of those memories is, you know, I'll often hear that, you know, people, a big thing is, you know, oh, I'll be forgotten 500 years. Maybe you and your name will be forgotten, but your effect won't, right? You, your storyline, you are being affected by somebody's memory, the way somebody's memories changed them 500 years ago in a very minute or very large, but very, very, chances are very small, small infinitesimal sort of microscopic fashion. You are. There really is no way around it, right? So that's what it is. It's it's personal. Social media is not personal. By nature, it's not personal. It gives you, you, you're able to get what you can get through people without having to suffer the burden of connection or the burden of ordinary life. You can get entertained, intrigued, and stimulated without partaking in your own storyline. You can react without watching some without 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 existing right that's something a lot of people like because 
most people ideally want to, the, the real goal is essentially to increase more positive moments and mitigate the negative ones. And that is often done by idealizing a certain or glorifying a certain, you know, if this is uh, uh, a, a preferred way that things should happen. This got to happen this way, this has to happen this way, blah, blah, blah. You know, and people come up with these, these um, fantastic stories about about how they could mitigate the negativity, mitigate the problems, the ordinary boringness, and increase the constant thrill. Right? And that's that's really that's that's essentially the problem. Because that works in theory, but it doesn't work in practice, right? People and social media fits in perfectly with that. You can you can increase this the the what looks to be like the appearance of positivity, the appearance of happiness, the appearance of 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 what the goal is, right? To just be happy and sort of let go and all these popular ideas. But you do not have to partake and you don't have to be involved in the ordinary boringness, right? So you can remove and escape from the negativity of life, right? Why do you think people wake up and, the, and you leave them... 0.2 seconds and their their hands already on their phone right you can put away waking up and and engaging to the and waking up to the boring realities of life or you could throw that away and cha- and use your time on something that makes you exclusively laugh of course this doesn't work right but that's what it is people are able to reap the benefits of life without partaking in the nasty parts so this this is this presents of course uh, many problems that we're unable to appreciate life and that things are not exciting and we can't you know partake in our own storyline. You even walk around on the street and you'll make someone laugh. You know, you know, especially people who are who are really addicted to social media. You'll see them laugh and it just feels very impersonal. It feels very divorced from you and I. It's like I'm talking to you, I made you laugh but you're laughing it's not we're laughing together it's not like i'm not a part of the equation it's sort of a, its own it's its own reaction with its own bubble right like i just introduced something into your environment into your exclusive one person uh, atmosphere right it's sort of like in the hair like at, at hairdressers how they put that that thing over your head it's really what it is. It's just like I entered the joke that I said made you laugh for the purpose of you laughing. Not it doesn't speak to a larger or profound storyline as normal memory should, which is which is one thing that's killing humanity, right? Because life is 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 horrifying. Life is a horror show, a constant declining horror show, of of pain and suffering and constant misery. And the only thing that heals people and and that saves people or compensates for this are these moments. And now people are clearly unable to experience them, um, obviously, at the hands of social media. Point number two. So that's so, or point, essentially point number three. So how is it dangerous or how is it harmful exactly for this? Number two, programming the mind. This this might be a little bit of a weirder one, but, but bear with me here. Engaging, I mean, it's essentially the entire show. <laughs> um, so engaging with humanity. If you removed likes and comments, this has actually been posited many times, even on even on just normal comment boards on social media, you'll see, you know, if people saying that, you know, if you remove the likes and the comments 
section off platforms, engagement would tank. People attend for the entertainment, but they attend for, more broadly, a sense of connection with humanity. A sense of connection with humanity. It's It really is. It really... you. People legitimately do. They go online. They 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 engage with people. That's what it is. It's important. And then it's and it's attractive and it's great because you can hide behind a profile picture. Your vulnerability is not at stake. It's just not. It's simply not at stake. Your vulnerability is 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 there, but it's 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 not quite right. It's you you can talk however you want. And not be personally attacked. That's another way that it manipulates normal relationships between ordinary people. Why do you think there's such a lack of shame? Right? A lack of shame is what happens when people are able to express themselves without having to bear the cost of being made fun of. Without having to bear the cost of being reprimanded by by their own social norms. So it's actually become a very bizarre place where people can actually just you know, release whatever they want to with, you know, where they, where they couldn't in the context of where normal people actually are. So anyway, people engage for, for humanity. They engage to be around people. That compulsive need or impulsive need to check the comment se- section on every single video or even perhaps comment. That's being engaged with humanity. People want to be around people. We are social animals. It is tough. It's tough. Believe me. It's not. Being social is, is, is very, very, very often not easy. It's impossible for some people. We all have the need, right? Some of us aren't able to, to fulfill it, but we all have that need. You know, may, maybe I'm wrong, but that's, that's at least what I've observed in, you know, in my experience. This creates, right, being, being engaged with the common section of humanity, it creates a problem for the perceived reputation of humanity. It's not just that, A, you're exposed to the common section, B, everybody on there is different than they are in, re- in real life, C, is what the actual common section is, which is just uh, mainly uh, tough criticism, opinionated criticism, negativity, and debate threads, which are essentially... Uh, not beneficial to anybody, but it creates a perceived reputation of humanity. What, where else? In what other environment? What other domain do people see other people? Especially in Corona, where people go to a mall, right? Because because we live in a country with so many people and so many denominations, nobody is able to to connect. So it it leaves a real problem. Right, the perceived reputation of humanity. I perceive and I understand humanity for, 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 for the way it is. Right, but the comment section provides evidence for a very bad and and sick and mentally incapable, arrogant, um, diluted, just trashy, trashy scum of the earth garbage. Uh, part of humanity and and there is adequate evidence for that you look on news you look everywhere it is constant constant evidence for how bad and trash talking humanity it's like somebody self-hating themselves in their own head just on a scale of humanity it's really what it is there's enough there's adequate and enough evidence right online 
to prove that humanity is is not good. Humanity is all negativity. It's all debate threads. It's it's all criticism. It's all talking. And we look over the po- no one. We're not going to lie here, right? Every, no one no one looks at the positive. No one looks at the positive comments. It's always where's the conflict? Because that's who we are. We're people of storyline. Where where is the conflict? Where is the where is what's newsworthy? We need the newsworthy content. Bring us the newsworthy content, right? That's essentially the the, the theme of social media. It's it really is a really big 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 problem, right? So whereas before, where people weren't as connected with with the masses, and people were just relegated to their own local community of local people and and just immediate family, perhaps some extended family, they they engage with their perception of humanity is different, right? Because let's say you're uh, let's say you're a Christian and you live in a in a Christian. Uh, in a Christian environment and all your family and friends and community is Christian, that's your humanity. That's who you engage in. And by virtue of everybody being the same religion, everybody in one way or another is the protagonist. There, there's constant evidence for, for people that are, for, you know, good people. We are good people because of A, B, and C, right? But what social media has done, it's given a perverted image and, and it's perverted evidence of what humanity really is. Right, which is, you know, really relegated by context, and and it just mixes ev- mixes everybody together in a big soup, or really, as it's known, the melting pot, and it's clearly unsuccessful. So we search for positive, we search for for a conflict, right? Positivity is in fact overlooked. Problem number three: attention span. Right, it's without a doubt that the average attention span has reduced dramatically. I mean, dramatically. It is insane. I have seen friends be able to talk to me and respond, and then completely, you know, not be able to stay for more than five minutes in a still way. Maybe it's ADHD. Maybe you know, and I, I'm, I can't really speak to that. But there is something to be said for the the average attention span. Needing to be, you know, constantly fulfilled, you know, one, two, I just need, I just need, you know, constantly, right? And partly, right, if we were, if we, if the, if we were, if our standard of captivation was lowered and adjusted to the frequency of everyday ordinary life, we wouldn't constantly crave a higher entertainment. We wouldn't constantly crave a higher captivation every single second, right? So... It, that's the problem. That's as soon as you get off the addiction, as soon as you you pass the withdrawals, it's gonna feel like you're gonna feel like like an like an Amish citizen. I mean, honestly, and I'm I'm not quite there myself. But once you get off, you begin to readjust your standard of captivation to the point where ordinary and normal life is is bearable. It's bearably okay. It's balanced. It's okay. It's consistent. And that consistency is addictive. That's what's addictive. Right? We are addicted to just the sameness. And if a sameness comes in a form of higher entertainment, we will gravitate to that. Right? There's more newsworthiness. There's more action, more engagement. But as soon as we lower ourselves to the point of, of, of just being engaged in a normal frequency of, of reality, then people will eventually or hopefully 
be able to bear being able to sit in front of somebody else and be engaged in conversation, right? So you hear a lot of this talk about about how people can't focus in school or about how uh, children, especially the younger the younger crowd, uh, you know, part of part of uh, my demographic can't sit down, can't function, can't live, can't just. There's a lot of these things they can't sit down correctly. They constantly are, are shaking their leg or or uh, twitching their arm or twitching their face or there's always some other sort of secondary movement that has to take place, right? Like like a like a second hand on a stop uh, on a on a clock versus the hour clock. So it has to be something something else going, something else moving. Right, and so while I don't doubt the legitimacy of ADHD, I do, I do, you know, posit a, a possible case where a lot of people are addicted, uh, are are addicted to a certain standard of engagement, and it's so high and so constant and so rampant that that normal reality just seem seems unbearably, unbearably boring. Right, so you need this other sort of fidget spinner. You need this other sort of constant tapping, this other jerking motion to, to hopefully mimic the that secondary higher need of of entertainment. I really think that's what it is because it can't be that that the same time that that the same time that social media and all these all these highly captivating, highly super captivating uh, agents shot up in popularity so did adhd randomly something that's supposedly non-environmental and intrinsic in just the human condition that's you know not affected by environmental factors that that just doesn't make sense to me so i'm going to i'm going to attribute a real relationship between social media and the constant high level of entertainment and captivation with the fact that students and children cannot sit down to learn which leads me into my next point right it affects the ability to learn. So we know that you can't make people stupider or, or dumber, right? We know that. That's that, that's been a proven fact. You cannot raise IQ. You can only maximize the potential of that IQ, right? So, for example, a seeming growth in, in intelligence is not a new IQ. Rather, it's cultivated present IQ. So if, 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 if somebody with 130 IQ is... If somebody with 130 IQ lives in, in Somalia, right, where education is not up to par to maximize their their IQ, they will suffer, right? They will not... They, they will feel stupid, right? So that's... that. So when... So let's say they move to America... They they get educated. They have an opportunity to exercise their intelligence. The seeming uh, uh, spike in IQ is cultivated IQ that's already been there. So in the same vein, you can also make people dumber, right? Or give the illusion of stupidity by by not cultivating somebody's IQ, right? So with a lower attention span, which is a big thing, and by extension, a lower ability to focus and learn you minimize the capability of people to actually use their IQ you minimize it they they are unable to right whereas earlier it was just a matter of putting the right children in the the right people in the right context in order for them to thrive right I, there's a famous um albert einstein quote about that if you if i believe it goes something like if you 
if you judge a fish by its ability to walk, it's gonna it's it's gonna live its entire life thinking it's stupid. So much like that, people uh, people cannot become more intelligent. You just have to cultivate and let them shine, right? So now there's this added next level factor. There's this added next level ability. Or, or there's this there's this wall that's an additional wall preventing people from maximizing their abilities. That is a massive massive problem, right? So while pe- while a lot of people, I mean, I mean of course logically because they you know they fit the symptoms, they fit the bill, etc. of of these uh, uh, pathologizing uh, problems like ADHD, which sound like incurable things that are only solved or mitigated by medication, etc., are very, very, very likely just a result of these. I mean, it's it's possible. Of course, it, it, it really is, there really is a, a large case to be made for that. There really is. So, of course, let me know in the email I will leave in the description. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode. I thought it was pretty good. You let me know. Um, Hopefully more interesting episodes will come in the future. And thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in the episode two next time.